Oh, wow. Would you look at that? December 20th. How time flies. <laughs> I've been really, really sick for a week and a half, and it's been dog shit. And um, I'm just going to sum it up in a quick, a little anecdote. Um, so I, was, I, woke up, I, I woke up Sunday after being very sick since Tuesday. And I was trying to go to urgent care because I decided I needed professional help. And I was loading the page for urgent care, and it just wouldn't load. Um, about 10 minutes of just, of just the thing not loading. And this frustrated me a little bit. <clears throat> so what I did, and this is not something that I often do. Last time I did it, I was probably a little kid. Um, but I took my phone... My very expensive, beautiful, um, impossibly convenient phone, and I th- I threw it at my dashboard, <laughs> and and then it it bounced off the dashboard and it hit my car's windshield and it cracked the windshield. Now <laughs> I could do nothing but but stare in dead silence for what was probably another good 10 minutes. Um, you know, I've learned a lot. I'm better. I'm better now. <laughs> I really shouldn't have done that. Um, but I did. So, this is one of two intros. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know where to go from that story. There's, there's no... There's nothing good about it. <laughs> Anger creates more anger. It's never the right option. So I guess, um, guess I got a lesson from it. Today's a special day because I'm publishing two episodes, um, because both of my guests are from the crew of the film Queen and Slim, a very beautiful film that just came out, uh, a film which I appreciate dearly, a message in it that is perhaps well-known, but still needing to be said. Um, so this is this is one of two intros that I'm to do, and I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about in the other one. Maybe the other one I'll just be g- just happy and not even mention my illness or my uh, the supercomputer that I threw at my car. Um, so yeah, my first guest is going to be Paulo de Fritas Jr., the storyboard artist for Queen & Slim. Just a hell of a guy. Um, one of those people where as soon as we started talking, I knew we were going to be homies. You just sort of, you just pick up on whether or not you're on the same wavelength, you know? And and Paolo and I just are. And it's as simple as that. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. It felt like I, I was just talking to a buddy. We didn't even mention the movie. I mean, you'll hear it. We didn't mention the movie for some time, though. So yeah, here's uh, here's my conversation with Paolo de Fritas Jr., I hope you enjoy it. I hope your holidays are coming up. And I'll, I'll continue that sentiment in the other intro. But I hope you enjoy this conversation with Paolo DeFritis Jr. And then uh, when I found out they pushed my new meeting for for three o'clock, I was like, oh, 
man. Maybe Kitten wants to push his too. <laughs> <laughs> so you got some more sleep then? I did. It was great. Good, good. <laughs> can you hear me well? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me well? Yes, perfectly. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, I feel like um, I feel like we have to come up with a new technology for your show. Um, <laughs> yeah. <'cause, laughs> right. For sure. I don't know why they didn't they didn't come up with something new these days where you just connect a phone like your phone to to your computer and the voice goes straight to your software that you use to record everything. Yeah, you can use like there. There are outsources and different sorts of like mobile recording devices, but they're usually pretty pretty expensive. So I have a couple uh, that I use sometimes, but they'll go on the fritz and yeah. But as long as you well, can hear uh, me, did you try? Did you try to interview uh, Elon Musk yet? <laughs> no, I've not interviewed him. Because <laughs> uh, I heard I heard that if you interview him, he gives you gifts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds nice. Yeah, so he can give you a new recording system. <laughs> oh, wow. That'd be fantastic. It's the, it's the holiday season, so... Exactly. It's perfect timing. <clears throat> I'm sure Elon Musk is not doing anything right now. Yeah, he's probably just relaxing, lounging he's around the house. waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Queen and Slim. And about, uh, you know, your art- artistry in general. Start wherever you want. Um, I don't even know where to start. It's been so long. Man, I'm so old now. I don't even know when I started. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get the whole life story. Go for it. I've got time. <laughs> uh, okay, I started when I was 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty young. I started working in a, an advertising company uh, back in, in, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that was my first job. I was I wasn't even out of high school yet. Wow. And yeah, and I kind of hated it because it was it, you know back back then like Photoshop was a brand new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing all the layouts and everything by hand, doing lettering like fonts and all. Like we had a book that was thicker than the Bible, and it was all <laughs> of the fonts you can imagine, and you had to like choose. One of the fonts, go, go through the whole catalog, choose the font that you thought most appropriate for the project and pick it and then just basically just rip it off. And, but yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting because everything was, a, this was a really good exercise for, mm-hmm. for a lot, of, a lot of things later on in life. It sounds very tedious. Very, very tedious. Yeah, and the glue, man. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. Yeah, it was, it was like, it's literally the glue that gets people high. So... Oh, no. I, <laughs> so I wasn't huffing it, but it's, but just because you use it, it's already in the air. So in the end, by the end of the day, you had this horrible headache, and you didn't even know why. Oh, no. Yeah, so it was, it was good. I mean, it, that's probably when I got my... Uh, when I started messing up my brain enough so I could come up with good ideas for stories and things. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> some free uh, highs, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then after that, yeah, after that I got a gig in um, in a place uh, that was like a 
the local Disney sweatshop in São Paulo. It was uh, they were doing. They were they were basically what it was. I, my a friend of mine saw an ad on a newspaper and asked me if I you know if I was gonna apply for for the job of of animator. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I never did any animation or anything. I don't know what to do with that. Right. And I was like, oh, just call them, just go over there. And I, so I went over there and I met the guys and um, and showed showed him my portfolio, which basically consisted in um. A little folder with uh, a bunch of superhero characters that I had been creating since, <laughs> I, was like, since I was eight. <laughs> so, and they're all all out of proportion and everything. <laughs> and, and the guy was like, "Well, I really like your style. You know, it looks like you need to learn a little proportion here and there. You know, but right. we can teach you all of that." And we can teach you uh, the the ropes of animation. I said, like, "Oh, sure, man." So uh, I'm in. It's like, "Yeah, you're in." It's like, "Oh, okay." Wow. So it's like, so "You're gonna, yeah." So you're gonna learn. So you, we're gonna teach you everything for like a month. So f- I figured, well, it's like a course that I'm not paying for. Mm-hmm. So I'll go. And well, it was really cool. We learned everything. We learned animation. We learned proportion. We learned all kinds of. Disney things, right? Yeah. How to work an auto sheet of all characters and uh, how the characters work, you wow. know, as far as their shapes and forms and motions. And um, but then I figured out, and then I found out that um, the reason they were hiring us was because all of the animators had gone on strike, so they just fired all of them. Oh. <laughs> so they so, needed you. <laughs> Yeah, that really sucks because my first day in the job, you know, the animators were back, but they were getting actually paid, they were getting paid less than they actually wanted. Damn. So they're looking they're looking at all of us like really pissed off, and I mean we had no clue, but anyways we became very good friends. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a a whole like two months of pension, but as Dude. long as you start. You know, they start drawing you naked, having sex with Aladdin and stuff like that. So <laughs> as long as you start reciprocating, then, you know, you're friends. <laughs> uh, and then after that, well, then I, I think I went to college at, the, at some point. Uh, <laughs> you don't know? At <laughs> some point to study fine arts. Everything started getting a little hazy after 18 because that's when I started drinking and smoking pot. Oh, yeah? So... Yeah, so everything got a little hazier. Were you but, like, did you did you use it a lot or what? Well, not no, not I never really used anything a lot. Um, but it's just you just get very busy, and then uh, you get a lot of friends, and you got and you're really young, and you got your own car, and um, you're in a fast moving city, so you know everything just becomes a haze. I never, yeah, I never I never really was addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think in my life, but well, that's whenever, good. I did, whenever I did it, I did it a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> like one time I went to college in the morning, came back home at like 8 p.m. and I was so stoned. And my mom said, oh, what's wrong with you? Your eyes are so red. And I was like, oh, mom, i been studying all day. I don't know. <laughs> Just so tired. Oh, man. <laughs> so, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm sure I'm sure you're still going through that, right? Because you're going to college now. Yeah, absolutely, I am. I mean, I'm 
I uh, I don't go to class high usually, mm-hmm. but it's definitely around perpetually, and it's it's very interesting um, how often people around me are functioning. Um, I, know, I know. On whatever it may be, people will just go to class drunk, buzzed, like high, what whatever it may be. Hungover, yeah. <laughs> I've I've definitely gone hungover, but like. I don't know. I I never go on anything because that just feels like thankfully I've been able to create that distinction for myself. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just never felt. I don't know. I I'd feel like I'd be too anxious, and also the main point is I'd I would just I know I'd miss out on something. I know I'd I'd be sacrificing potential comprehension. So, but it's it's rampant, and especially now. Um, pot just got legalized recreationally where I'm at and in Michigan and there's only I think there's like four or five stores in Michigan right now where you can if you're 21 you can just buy it recreationally all you need is an ID and they're all like in my town so that's really interesting also that's great because good stuff man I mean I I never thought in a million years this was ever gonna happen in one place not not let alone like most part, most places in the country. Right. That's incredible. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the one thing that I love the most nowadays is the the cannabis mint. Yeah. I mean that stuff is incredible. What it's is like it? Like a little a little mint, you know, and uh, it, it would just do the trick. But I I like you. I agree. I I can't. You know, I love. I love being stoned, but I can't. <laughs> I can't be stoned if I have other things to do. Yeah, I have to really pick and choose the time to do it. To me, it's a very shamanic kind of. Uh, yes, it's a, that's a beautiful know? way to put it. I can't like. I have friends who get high like every day, all day. Like they wake up, they get high, they do their thing. Right. I like cannot do that. Absolutely not. Like it has to be. My environment has to be good. I don't have to, I, I can't have anything like really weighing on my mind. It's just got to be an open night, you know, like right. I, I try to treat it to where it's still special. So, yeah, I think, I think to me, if you treat cannabis as, as a moment in your life where you need it to be special because it's a relationship between you and cannabis, it's like you and mushroom. Like, I don't, I don't think I, I, after I did, oh my my birthday was just now, right? So okay, um, uh, I decided that I was going to do some mushrooms, and Exciting. it just so happened that the day before my birthday, a friend of mine showed up with four mushrooms and gave them to me, right? Wow! Uh, and I was like, oh, that's very serendipitous, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's supposed to happen, but really, what I think is that you attract what you actually really want, um, and. Um, I figured uh, that I was going to, you know, invite some friends over. And we're going to share the mushrooms and all. And then after a while, I was like, no, I can't do that. I've been just literally watching so many videos from Terrence McKenna, you know, and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, reading so many things about mushrooms. Uh, and this is going to be like the first time that I can actually do a whole mushroom, you know, and at, at age 45, nonetheless. Yeah. So I was like, I have to stay home. Um and do it by myself. Oh, really? Uh, so, Alone? Yeah. So interesting choice. I on my yeah on my birthday I decided that I was just going to stay home by myself. My wife went to bed with the dog, and then um, 
yeah, they shared the dog when I'm not around. So, um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, they all went to bed. I, you know, uh, went to bed, uh, like kind of like in the, on the couch until like three o'clock in the morning. Then I woke up and then I started getting ready and then I took the mushrooms and I spent like four hours meditating on the couch. Wow. How much so, did you take? <laughs> I think, I think this is really important you know to me as an artist especially uh to to use those tools and um or or like mushrooms and cannabis to me are like the producers in filmmaking right they're the facilitators okay um and and they connect your mind with your heart and and allow them to to conversate you know Mm -hmm. so it's almost like when I took the mushrooms, I felt like all of my chakras were real. Do you know? Time. Do you know how much you took? Yeah, I took four. Well, I took four mushrooms, and uh, I ate four, ate them right one by one. I actually um, were they so were they pretty like pretty small? They were different sizes. Uh, I know they were salicide. They were they were. Gotcha, they gotcha. Were the, yeah, the the the. the the little white ones. Okay, so you uh, didn't you didn't have like an insane amount then? No, no, no. I had four. Yeah, it was basically two okay. of them. Okay. Yeah, that's. Were pro- I think two of them were twins. They're connected on the stem, and they were about uh, six inches long. Gotcha. And then another one was about four inches, and the other one uh, was like three inches, something like that. Yeah. So no, it wasn't a crazy amount. I, I don't think I would have done a crazy amount unless I had done mushrooms like a lot and stuff. But I don't know. I don't. I tend not to abuse those things anymore. You know, like I used to when I was young. Yeah. Especially because I found out that mushrooms they tend to uh, raise your your blood pressure. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I'm 45, and my father had high had, has high blood pressure, and I'm like, I'm not gonna play around with that. So wow. you just have to. Be a little more thoughtful. So that that was your first shrooms trip then? That was the first time you ever took them? That was the first time that I took a bunch of them like that. And I did 50 push-ups to get a bunch of uh, oxygen in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the second I finished the push-ups, I could feel it already. Wow. Did, uh, did you just eat them almost, straight? It was like almost instant. It was so... Yeah, 50 straight. Yeah, 50 straight. That's crazy. <laughs> So, so then, um, the second I sat down on the couch, you know, I had like my walnuts in front of me, I made some tea, so I had the whole setup. I thought, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen. So I may go crazy, you know, I want to wander around in, in the park behind my house at night. <laughs> and so I make sure I lock the doors and I hid the keys and, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and my wife was so worried she had to take a melatonin to go to bed. Um, I mean, I had no idea what was going to happen, right? Well, yeah. it's really, to me, what was really incredible is that you're completely, completely aware the entire time. Oh, you're, yeah. Yeah. I, I had no clue. Like, you're, you're even more aware than when you're, because when you smoke weed, when you take a mint or whatever, cannabis has a tendency to, like, really make you forgetful. Yeah, you, like, you lose control a little bit. You, like, sometimes yeah, can forget. Like, you're exactly. like, what What did I, what the hell did I just say? Like, that kind of thing. I feel exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. And, and and alcohol is even worse, right? I mean, alcohol oh, yeah. turns into a beast. Cocaine, just, even worse. Cocaine turns in, makes you feel like you're Superman, and you're going to, you know, pick fights in the street and stuff. It's like, I, I, I've done all kinds of crazy things with other things, you know. But, so I figured... 
oh, everyone is always talking about mushrooms. It's going to be crazy. So it's probably going to be like like drinking, smoking, and snoring coke, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so I was really worried about it. And, and then all of a sudden, all I could, I, the only way I can describe it is I was a spiritual, be, uh, you know, uh, body, like a spiritual being um, of lights, basically and do you and meditate I, normally i do yeah i do like mainly okay. before i go to bed uh-huh um i like meditating um on different um sound frequencies and and uh different way you know sound waves and um uh, uh you know um how they have the 528 Hertz frequency, you know, I love that, uh, to hear that before I fall asleep. Then I, it, something triggers, man, in your head, you know, when you do those meditations with frequencies, it's, it's, it's really amazing. You start feeling it just, you know, when you're, you know, just hearing it, in your, and then suddenly start seeing things, and then suddenly it's just like it's all over your body, and it's, you're just, just completely encapsulated by it. It's really crazy. But, I never done anything with with mushrooms. Uh, I've, I've never really done mushrooms, like really. But mm-hmm. so it was crazy. When I closed my eyes, I would close my eyes, and instantly, I'd be in a white place, like pure lights and archways, wow. moving archways of of rainbow color lights. You know, it's almost like I was inside. It's almost like I was inside those those super deep water. Uh, squids, you know, they have the little lights on the sides. Yeah, it's like I was riding inside one of those. So you had, <laughs> so you had a lot of visual hallucinations then. Yeah, but all in my head. I didn't see anything with my eyes open. I, I really? saw. Yeah, I saw. I it was all in my head. Did you? Uh, uh, did you watch anything or listen to anything? No, it was just me, silence and darkness. That's, That's it. Crazy, bro. Yeah, and uh, well, I had the you know the fan the fan would, would was was running because it was pretty hot, and still even though it was November fourth, it was like pretty hot in here. Um, uh, so I think I think the sound of the fan uh, just kicking um, made me hear like Native American chanting, and you know <laughs> it it was just crazy. It was like Native American tribes and then african tribes you know all kinds of different things combined that was like and that by the way that was like the first five minutes of it (laughs) and then after that it just started getting crazier and crazier it was uh you know like i think it's funny like when terence mckenna talked a lot about how the mushrooms tell you this and the mushrooms tell you that and I, I never felt like the mushrooms was, were telling me anything. I always felt like I was telling myself everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the mushrooms were were a facilitator, and I, I, I did have I, I did have a feeling inside of me that that they were um, that they were th- they were thanking me in a way for for being for allowing them to 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 make this happen and and be part of that trip in my head. Well, it's yeah. it's so hard, right, to picture that they're like something sep like like there's something else trying to give you something because everything you think and everything you're doing, you're facilitating it through yourself. So you're like 
Well, at the end of the day, I'm the one that's perceiving this. So, like, these are just mushrooms. They don't have faces. They're not talking to me. They're not saying anything. But, like, when you realize that you're you're made up of the same things that they are, and it's really it's really just it's it's so weird, man. I I just found out. um, I don't want to misquote it, but basically, the DNA that we share with fungi is like incredibly close. Like very, I know, I know, I know that because I heard that in college too. When I went to college here in in, in New Orleans, I took a biology class, and uh, my biology teacher was kind of a mycologist. Wow, that's awesome! And I had never even thought of mushrooms before then. I mean, uh, of course, of course, I knew about the trippy ones, and I know I knew I hated mushrooms. Like I don't really like mushrooms. Like to eat them, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like the flavor. Uh, these mushrooms, man, I chew them raw. And I gotta say, it wasn't about the flavor. Like the flavor was something else. I mean, I think I think when you do sort of a shamanic ritual, the way I was trying to to do, right? Yeah. Kind of a ceremonial, a ceremonial respectful thing. The fl- the the flavor even changes. I mean, it was no longer mushroom. It was you... like it, it was just it was just something Every... way bigger than all of us. It's espe- especially with food, like we have so much control over our senses, like way more control than we give credit to. Like when you're eating something, you can like genuinely manipulate the way that it tastes just based on how you're thinking about it. Like the consistency of it, the like it's, it's really, really nuts. It's like, it's the playground's a lot bigger than, than the space that we tend to occupy. I think. Exactly. I mean, like even the smell, the smell around you can change the the flavor of your food, and vice versa. Yeah. It's 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 really nuts. Like we really, it's funny because we're. I think the way we are, kind of, uh, set up as human beings, we're very self-centered. So, we really always think that it's all about us, but uh, and and so we think that our senses are perfect. You know. Uh, oh, uh, dogs can only see black and white. So, you know, automatically a lot of people think, oh, they're so they're inferior, you know, because they can't see like us, but they can just, just their sense of smell and what these animals can smell. And, and, you know, like when you see those little, those little animations that they make when you're watching a documentary about cats, for instance, like how they, they put, they have to put color in the in the in the little video because uh as a smell because otherwise we wouldn't understand what they go through like how snakes they can actually sense temperature with their tongues it's all kinds of crazy things you know that we don't don't understand and we still think we're all that and i don't i i really don't i really well i inferiority and superiority are in, in the context that we use them, they're human concepts to begin with. So, yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Like, there are obviously hierarchies in nature, and there are animals who will submit to other animals because they understand, but it's it's always very primal, very carnal, very inside that they just know, like, okay, this thing's, like, going to fuck me up if I challenge it. Like, that's, that's, that's where they challenge. We have just given birth to a whole different realm uh, which is just straight like you can't you just can't compare certain things like you it's 
all we can understand is like obviously there's an argument that humans brain human brains have like a complexity that is unique to our species like that's the way we think about things and, and interact in our language like it seems to be operating on like a much more complex level but, yeah, but, but to introduce the word I, like better into that is weird because there's no ar- there's no argument there's no like grounding for it to yeah. be better in any way yeah better is yeah better is a weird word it's like awards you know to me award shows it's like oh and the best whatever is fuck you no right <laughs> <laughs> there is no better best artist there is no best it's impossible uh, when i went to fine, fine art school uh, this teacher he uh was that was a long time ago right so it was interesting to go through that when you're like 18 19 right um because your brain is not fully formed your you know notions of things are not fully formed then you start hearing enlightening things uh you go through school your whole life and you graded your whole life and judged your whole life you know you get like a set of values and and uh grades no matter what you do, no matter what your ideas are, it doesn't matter. You have to do what they tell you to do. Uh, if you don't answer the way they want you to answer, then you're wrong, mm-hmm. right? And you fail. Um, in in fine art school, you know, the teachers would be like, "Man, you know, you do your your job, and you you just go to your next grade." You know, we're not gonna grade you because there is no way to grade art. It's impossible. It's it's. Uh, it's a very subjective and personal experience. You know what you sucks, to... man? I'll, t- I'll tell you something that I've been thinking mm-hmm. about pertaining to that. I just had this video project due a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. And so the, the guidelines for the project were that you needed to have a narrative. So you needed to have like a continuing theme throughout the whole video to some effect. You needed to use music. And you needed to use like visual editing, and the in the editing that it was that it asked for was pretty much like elementary. Like there was nothing to it that was crazy. So I have like a really hard time with projects that are super super open, like that are really really like especially when I'm trying to hone in on certain skills. When I, when I'm told that I can do pretty much whatever I want, I get like antsy. Like I'm like, well, there's like so many things I could do. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I supposed to know which one is the right one? And when my brain starts to do that, I get to the point where I just want to then talk about that problem. So, mm-hmm. oh, and also there was a time limit on the video of about three and a half minutes. That's important later on. But so I'm, I yeah. decide I decide to make my video about my not knowing what to make the video about, which is ah, genius. <laughs> yeah. Genius is a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, sli- it's a very slippery slope because like, obviously like referring to yourself, Metafilm is very, it's, it's a very tricky place to be because it can, it can be pretentious and fall flat very easily, very, very easily. What What's Metafilm? Just like referring to the film within the film or like, like what I was doing. Uh. Interesting. Yeah, I never heard this term before. Yeah, so so I decide I so it's like I I wrote out all these questions and basically the video is me interviewing myself and I'm mm-hmm. I'm asking myself like what I want to do with this video. And 
and I'm answering, but as I'm answering the, the, so for example, in the video, I say, well, I don't know. I, I thought about maybe, um, taking like this really cool train shot and like maybe putting music to it to where like the music climaxes, like as the, as the train comes out of the tunnel and there's like light. So like I say that in the video, but as I'm saying that I actually did that. So, so as I was saying that in the video, it actually showed like a train coming out of a tunnel with the music, if that makes sense. So that makes, that, that makes so much sense. And, it, and it's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what, that's what filmmaking is. That's filmmaking one-on-one right there. That's, I mean, when you, uh, you, you, you have, I mean, you have so many, like an array of things that you can make, right? It's, in, it's incredible. Like if you, if you don't know where you want to go, you're definitely going to get lost. You're going to get the writer's block. You're going to get all kinds of shit, right? Right. But, but what you did, you know, it has been done before several times. And especially in animation, in comic books, you know, it's, you start telling a story and you have that sort of what, you know, the flashback going on. It's basically what's in your mind is playing on screen. And I love that stuff, man, because um, especially when you're doing it like that, the way you did it for school, no one was expecting that, were they? No, no, that's the point of the story that I'll get to is that no one is expecting it. Yep. So like, so the, so the rest of the video is that. It's me giving ideas for what I want to do in the video with the actual ideas being represented. So like, more music and images, blah, 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 blah. And then, <clears throat> and then I ask myself like the, the other interview part of me is like, well, why don't you just make the video like about making the video? And so I'm like, Hey, that's a pretty good idea. So then, then I just go into this little like monologue about how, well, I don't know, because like, like when, when you're making a film and you refer to the filmmaking during the process, if you're not being genuine and you're just using that as like a cop out or like, like a trick, then it's just like lazy and it's shit. And it's not, it's not impressive. It's not moving. It's just like, it's, it's just lazy. So I'm, yep. I'm talking about that in the film. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I want to do this because it's like kind of scary, you know, whatever. And then, and then the other me, like there's a little monologue where I'm like, okay, well, like I'm 20 years old. I'm in film school. Like, if I'm going to make something that's pretentious and shitty and, like, misguided and just finding my voice, like, now is the time to do it at all. Like, now is the time for me to be self-absorbed and figure out. Now is the time. Man, 20, 20, you're definitely got to be self-absorbed. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm blown away listen, listening to your story because at 20 years old, to do what you just, you're doing, it's, like, crazy shit, man. That's, like, good stuff. <laughs> Okay, well, so I so I make it, and I'm like, I'm like not in love with it for a couple of reasons. Like it, it's it's a little imperfect, but either way, like overall, I was so glad that I did it because even if like the video sucked, like the process of making it, which I did it from like six p.m. until like six a.m. I just worked for like twelve hours. I recorded everything and edited everything all in one night, and like I had to type the script out, record myself doing like. I'd record myself asking the interview questions and then record myself again only answering them and then like cue them together to where they sounded like anything. So it was like, it was just a long process, but like it was fruitful because even if like, no matter, no matter what I felt about it, like it was a, it was genuine whether somebody else liked it or not. Like, and, that, and that's how the video ends is, um, I basically say to myself, well, like the only thing that you can really do right now is like, be honest and be genuine and not like bullshit and not make 
make stupid shallow films and then i just say like well that's all i want to do you know and then it ends so i i turn it in and i'm a little wary about turning in because first of all it's about two minutes over time and oh, shit. Mm-hmm. and i i wanted to edit it down like because and that's obviously something i'm just going to end up working on clearly and that's the whole point of this process but like mm-hmm. I, I get my idea for something and like i just i did it and I was like, well, like going over the time is kind of the point of the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I just have to fig- I have to figure out like what do I sacrifice, what do I not? So I just write an I read I wrote a note to my teacher and I was like, I went over the time and like I'm really sorry I did that, but it, I felt like I, I had to do that to like feel satisfied with what I made. Like yep. and I just said like if you need to mark me down, like mark me down, I'm totally cool with that. Whatever. So I turn it in. And I literally don't know what the guy's going to think. It's like a 70-year-old professor. So he's like, like in a lot of ways, I know more about like the stuff he's teaching me than than he does. And he's like said that to me like because we're doing Adobe shit. And so like I just know a lot about like I've showed him stuff, that kind of thing. So there's there's already that dynamic. And he's just very like I don't want to say he's old school. But like the things that he's shown us that he's like the things that he's shown us as examples. I'm just kind of like, well, that's cool. But like, you know, that's not like. Exactly what you're talking about. Like when, I went to school, when I went to school here, it was the same thing. They showed us examples that were shot, like stuff that they did in the 80s. And right. Like, I'm just shit. like, you guys couldn't come up with, like, couldn't get a student to shoot something new now. Exactly, <laughs> bro. And it, it, it makes me feel like such a shithead because I don't want to be the pretentious film student who's like, I'm nah. above this. But sometimes they play, nah. they play shit, and I'm just like, oh my god, like that's what it that's is. Weird. So I get I I get my grade back and it's a D. He failed me for this video. What the fuck, dude? That's when you know you gotta get the fuck out of school. So he <laughs> so he fails me for this video, and uh. and basically what he put was that like, so so what he's like really obsessive about is seeing a lot of visual editing. So like a lot of cuts, a lot of like moving frames, a lot of text, mm-hmm. like right. b- blurs, fading, whatever, and. Like, all the shit that he uses just bores the hell out of me, and I didn't want to do any of that. I just, like, I'm not going to do it. And so... But then it's like, you know, look, it's a perfect... That's a perfect segue for what's happening right now with movies, right? With features, TV shows, and shit. When you get get this old-timey filmmakers like Spielberg and shit talking shit about Netflix, you know, uh, and you get Coppola talking shit about Marvel movies, and, like, Guys, you know, you got to realize that you're old. You have to realize you're old. And, and if you just keep the same way all the time, there is no fucking use for you in humanity. Right. You know, you got to adapt. You got to evolve. You got to fucking evolve. Look at Scorsese. He just did fucking Irishman for Netflix. And he was fucking, it was, this, it was kind of the same old Scorsese, but he still <laughs> used kind of like technology to, yeah. to, to evolve in his art, you know, and right. try to come up with different stuff it's it's that's what that's what the point is in art it's to evolve it's not not to always do the same shit otherwise it's not art yeah you man know? it's, it's but, you know the thing the thing that you did it's i'm i'm just fucking furious now that you got that that, that <laughs> seven year old dude flunked you because um i thought it was fucking genius first from the beginning to the end that's exactly what you have to do as a young guy and to question yourself and i think to me 
the most important thing in life, really, is to always question yourself. Is the philosophy, you know, of life is always question yourself, no matter what you're doing. You know, never be a follower. Never follow anyone. Just question. You know, if someone asks you to follow them, question that person. If if you're following something, question that thing. Right. You know. You know, always have to question. And the thing that you're doing when you're 20 years old, stuff that, you know, that uh, a seven-year-old couldn't even think about nowadays, you can see the difference, the, 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 the blatant ignorance, you know, in, in filmmaking in a lot of schools. That's, that's why I think that uh, when I went to school here, I felt kind of like you. I had been working already as a storyboard artist for, I don't know, four years or something. But then I was like, dude, I can't, you know, uh, storyboarding is a, is a finite kind of, kind of job, right? Yeah. It's a dead end. So uh, there's no, nowhere else, nowhere else I can go. It's not like, like, I'm, uh, you know, I, there's a ladder in the industry for storyboard artists, you know, like if I want to be a director when they produce or whatever, I'm going to have to come up with something else. Right, right. right. So... Maybe if I go to school, you know, I'll, I'll end up making all this contacts and I'll, I'll start directing stuff there and, and it'll be really cool. Well, fuck, I went there. Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I, I did a, a short film and I loved it and it was really cool doing it. Um, uh, but they gave me like the shittiest camera that like shit, my own camera would be better than that. <coughs> um, the editing classes, you know, I was I was uh, not even being taught by a, a teacher it was like the teacher you know the teacher's assistant uh, right so i knew more about all of those classes than they did because i had before even i started doing storyboards i, I had already done a short film in new york and i had i had it uh, selected by a few festivals so, wow good for you you know i i did things before you know all this and you know i did animation uh for for Disney, I did animation for MTV in Brazil. You know, I did all kinds of different things. So to go back to school and start hearing this, uh, people tell you things that that they have always been done the same way over and over again. It's kind of frustrating, and and uh, I think I had like one class, and uh, or maybe no, no, I had two classes that were actually phenomenal. One of them was actually the history of filmmaking, which was very uh, enlightening to me because even though you know you know a lot of stuff in filmmaking and and uh, in movies and the history of it, it's very enlightening to go beyond that and and start thinking of the psychology behind everything, yeah. right? Uh, so that was really cool, and then and then the writing class, the writing class was also phenomenal, and it was really great, and uh, it, it taught me a lot, and it made me want to keep going and learning more, and you know, reading more and writing more. Um, so, but for you to to have to deal with a seven year old guy who's like kind of deterring you from from something that you definitely should have done, and I think that you achieved. Uh, and an, an enormous amount of of uh, knowledge just just for doing what you did, you know. Do you, it's kind of like you you basically went to a shrink by using yourself as your shrink. Yeah. 
basically. And it made you think and rethink about a lot of things that you otherwise wouldn't even thought about, you know. Absolutely. Uh, just for that, I would have been sure, sure, I'd probably like take you take a point off of your, or maybe half a point because of the time issue. But everything else, I just, shit, that's great, you know. Well, it's tough, man, because I'm sitting there, like, questioning myself, like, am I just, like, a little fuck, and I'm ignoring the dude, and just doing whatever I want, and, like, but then I'm like, well, why am I here if I'm not trying to take some sort of risk, even if I get a D, and he comes over to me, and he's like, and, and every every other project I'd done in there, I got an 100% on, because they were easy, mm-hmm. and whatever, like, I just did them, but this one was the right. first one that we had, could use our own footage, like, had way more free reign, could do whatever we want. That was the first one, so I did. And he was like, right. so, like, do you know why you failed? And I was like, well, honestly, no. And I, like, pulled out the rubric, and I showed him, and I was like, you, you, wanted, a mu- you wanted to use music, I used music. You said you wanted the narrative, I used narrative. Like, uh, I know I went over time, which I understand, and I know that, like, there were, there were like, 10 to 20 second shots of uninterrupted, like, like no editing. And I know that's frustrating for him. So I was like, I, I can concede to you being frustrated with that. But then on effort, he gave me like, I don't know, like 20%, like two out of 10 maybe. And I was oh like, like, I just want to let you know, like blatantly, like I, I put the effort in, like the effort was there. I worked on it for like 12 hours straight. Like I did it. Right. And he basically right. like offered for me to redo it or whatever. And I was like, no, like, like, I'm glad I did it. I don't regret doing it. And he was like confused. He was like, well, like what do you mean and I was like I like I'm glad I did it I don't just because I got a bad grade doesn't like I'm not so I, I definitely struggled with it and was unsure and still am but overall like when I saw the D I wasn't like oh my god I shouldn't have done it like help me out get a better grade like I was like no like I I need to stand by my work with a little bit of integrity but I was a little worried and then he goes to play other people's in class and like I don't like to shit on other people's work because they're in their they're on their own journey. But like the first video that comes up is a supercut of like Transformers, Godzilla, King Kong with like movie clip watermarks all over it and like a really shitty rap song that's like not it's not even like the best version of the song quality wise. And I'm like, okay, so like I don't feel like shit at all for doing what I did because like I can't I can't make something like that and feel good about it. Like if somebody else can, power to them. No hate at all, but I can't just put together like a bunch of King Kong movie clips with a rap song and feel like content with what I did. I just can't do that. I need right. a, like this is an opportunity for me to create. And then he just asked if anybody else wanted to play their videos in class, and I raised my hand, and I know it pissed him off. And he he, he just like sighed at me, but then he played it, and he he played it in class, and the class was just like silent. <laughs> <laughs> like so, like every other video people were like clapping and laughing like whatever and when mine finished like it was just dead silent and someone was like um what the only thing someone said is they said well i i liked that it was different from the other ones <laughs> and uh, and the teacher just said like yeah i didn't follow the assignment at all but you know so that and that was it but well but, you know it's funny because this this reminds me of uh, the duality of the business of the film business, right? Of the film industry. Um, so in the U.S., you know, like when you go, like I'm from Brazil. So in Brazil, 
people have a hard time going commercial when they create a movie and stuff. Uh, usually, movies in Brazil are kind of created uh, with more of a European kind of, like Argentinian movies mainly. I think Brazil, you know, Brazil actually is a uh, pick and choose kind of place. It's not like every Brazilian movie is actually good. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Argentina, I'd say that their movies are freaking excellent. Yeah. Because, because they're very intellectually oriented in Argentina. Um, but I think I think that that's the two facets of, of, of the industry. And here in America, it's a business, okay? So it's it's the film, the film industry, it's the movie business. It's basically what it is. It's, it's the biz, right? Yeah. Uh, so what you did basically was art. Uh, like the stuff, especially when you said that your classroom was quiet, that reminded me of, uh, of, of going in a gallery in New York City uh, and, and watching the videos, like the stunning, amazing, incredible, crazy videos, right? But it's more of, uh, I think your video your video kind of instills a reaction that's more emotional than than uh, than um, it's it's not as much for the film industry for for like Hollywood, right? Everything that's made is made over the same kind of structure because it has to because right. it has to be predictable. You have to you have to know what you're going to get out of the audience because right. the audience is going to watch a movie already with the expectation of having, uh, you know, their, uh, that expectation fulfilled, fulfilled basically. Absolutely. So they're going into theater already, you know, expecting the expectations to be fulfilled. Uh, and so you, Hollywood in the early sixties, late fifties, they started bringing psychologists and, and, to try to study uh, audiences, right? And and the Russians were doing the same thing in the USSR, you know, and and uh, kind of trying to figure out how they could brainwash people through images. I mean, granted, it's not like the USSR is is like the evil and America is the hero. It's more like both actually countries were doing the same thing. They both of them were doing propaganda in their own way. Yeah. Right? So you have to make people the people. You have to make the people believe that what you're doing is good. So you have to figure out how to, you know, make that happen. And and the only way to make that happen is through psychology. And so and so the structure of filmmaking as we know nowadays was created, right? Mm -hmm. After years and years of developments. But you know, even even to me, in my mind, every guy out there nowadays that's a writer, director, whatever, if they tell you that they don't use structure, that they don't need any of those rules and shit to make what they make, they're full of shit. Mm -hmm. I gotta tell you right now, they're all full of shit. Because everything that's made, including independent films, they're all based on the same kind of structure. Right. None of them are different. Um, the only ones that are different are the ones that you go in the galleries and watch. You know, the the ones that break everything, the ones that have that have everything backwards, the ones inside out, you know, and uh, upside down. I don't know. It, they just go nuts with the shit. It's almost like, like even even music videos they have structure, you know. So 
what you did, I think, really was arts. And arts, when it's just arts, like raw arts, it does make people uncomfortable. And it does make people think weirdly about stuff. And that's the that's to me that's the purpose of art. Yeah, for sure. If, if you if you draw Jesus naked on the cross, you know, or or even like I think there was was it in Brazil that this happened, or hmm. I don't remember where. I, I think when it was in Brazil, this was going on. I think someone, I think a uh, transgender person dressed uh, as Jesus and went on the cross naked. Hmm. And the country was just going insane, right? Yeah. And to me, that's that's the purpose of art. And I, to me, that's why art exists, is to make people think about stuff. It's to make people, sure. you know, because in Brazil, we went through dictatorship. And dictatorships, the first thing they do when they take over is get rid of arts. So... We and, and then we ended up with Carmen Miranda, you know, and all mm-hmm. those those you know. Oh, put some fruits on her head and make her dance, you know, because uh, that's that's okay for dictatorship because it's not gonna make people think. Right. It's just gonna make people entertain themselves, right? So entertainment is great for the masses because it's it, it makes it easier for everybody to control them. But arts makes art makes people think, and that's a dangerous thing in countries where they need people not to think you know and when you granted when you go to work every day and bust your balls you know or tits whatever um you know in in your job and you go back home and and you just want to relax like my wife man she likes watching property brothers you know that's pretty much the only thing we can watch together because when she's not here i'm watching everything else right Right. So, and, and I can't blame her for that. You know, she likes reading murder mysteries before she goes to bed. You know, she likes watching Forty Eight Hours and Dateline. You know, like uh, I at some point thought she was gonna murder me because <laughs> of that shit. But, <laughs> but, but it, it, that's it's a funny. We live we live in a world where we're getting as a mass dumber by the second. So when you come up with something that's completely uh, different than than they're expecting, you're going to get that. You're going to get silence. It doesn't mean they didn't like it. It just means that they made them think. Yeah. And and, uh, and that's a good thing. You know, um, I always felt my whole life that, that I was I was born in the wrong planet. You know, uh, I, I left Brazil because I just couldn't deal with that country anymore. I couldn't deal with the people. I couldn't deal with the, the government. I couldn't deal. And, you know, in Iran, and I was young. I was like 24 when I left. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, you know, I just can't deal with this country anymore. I can't deal with anything that's going on in here. And, and I felt like the, the, the easiest way would be to just leave and start my life over somewhere else. And I grew up watching movies and listening to music. Then all from the U.S., right? I loved um, the entertainment coming from the U.S. my whole life, and I just wanted to be a part of it. I was trying to break into the comic book industry, and uh, so I thought, oh, I'm just going to go to San Diego one day and never come back. And that's what I did. I went to the Comic-Con and just stayed in California. Damn. (laughs) So... 
I thought, well, now now it's going to be better because now I'm just going to start my life from scratch and I'm going to be able to do what I always wanted to do without the, any other bullshit. But, you know, it's not what happens. What happens is that you're just basically running away from yourself no matter where you go. Um, and I figured that out only like after, I don't know, five, seven years that I was already here. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, so, you know, and I still felt like a fish out of the water, you know, um, my whole life. And, and now I think, uh, I don't even know when this started really. I think it was around, uh, around the time when I was like 30 years old when I did that short film I was talking about. Yeah. I think what happened was I was really frustrated in New York City, right? I, I was like tired of, uh, working uh, drawing for clients and uh, I was tired of dealing with people who didn't know what they wanted and just paid you like shit and treated you like shit and I was like you know I don't have to deal with this stuff I'm just gonna get a job like as a secretary somewhere right yeah um, and I started working for a photographer over there and but when you're when you're an artist when you when you are thinking all the time about stories everything around you is a story you just can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I just started thinking, what can I do besides comic books? Because I know I'm not going to do that anymore. I know I'm, I don't want to illustrate anymore. I don't want to do anything with drawing anymore forever, right? <laughs> um, so am <coughs> I going to do music? Because I was kind of doing music with my neighbors, right? Back yeah. then. And, and I was like, no, I don't think I'm good enough. You know, even though I love it, I don't think I'm good enough for that. Yeah. And plus I'm getting old really quick cause I'm already 30. So, um, uh, then one day I was watching a movie and I remember it was when Netflix started. So I used to have the DVDs in the house Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I used to get six DVDs at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to watch, uh, six DVDs in like three days and send it back and then get six more and you know, and all that. So I was watching movies like a maniac because basically, basically it was my escape mechanism to basically just watch movies. And, and it's the same thing I did when I was a kid. I used to watch cartoons like crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then I just thought to myself, shit, I think I like movies more than anything. Um, <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, how am I going to make a movie? I have no idea how to do that shit. Right. So, uh, I went to a few workshops in New York, you know, um, heard people talking about it and, and 90% of the time they're telling me, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and you know, all the negative, all the negative trolls in the industry, they love going for uh, to those workshops and, and get their money, you know, from the tickets and then tell everybody, don't do it. Right. <laughs> so anyways, I started learning little by little, started reading a lot of books, uh, and then I started writing this really, I was like, what am I going to write about? Oh, I'm going to write about all of my failed relationships that I've ever had in New York City, and and basically just make fun of myself, um, and, and that's what I did. So when I started drawing it, the storyboard of the script, that's when I started meeting people here and there. They started approaching me, right? Uh, and, and I would say, oh, so you, you do cinematography. Oh shit. I'm, I'm working on a short film and I would show them the storyboard and they would be like, oh wow, that looks great. Uh, can I do it? 
I was like, oh yeah, you want to do it? Sure, let's do it. So that's how you, I ended up meeting all these people, you know? Yeah. And, and that that's when I, I started thinking that uh, not, not that, oh, this industry is right for me. It's what's interesting about it is that once you start making it and, you know, you have, first you have the word, you know, you write it all down, but then you have the, the lights, which is the image. Once you start putting the light down, the image down, then you start attracting all these other people, you know, for whatever reason. And if it's good enough, they want to be a part of it. And once we started doing the short film, and I was hanging out with everybody, basically in Central Park, shooting and stuff, and everyone is asking questions, and we're all doing different things. And I just couldn't stop thinking. I was like, "Wow, my whole life, all I did was draw. Basically, was me being in a room all day, just by myself, Mm -hmm. uh, while all the kids were playing outside." So <laughs> I felt like I was always grounded doing homework, you yeah. know, <laughs> and finally I was outside playing with the kids and I was like, dude, I don't want to do anything else. This is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to make movies, you know, and, and then it's funny because after that, that's when we ended up moving to New Orleans. Um, and I was still kind of iffy about drawing. I didn't want to do it. Shit. I worked, I worked as a valet in a restaurant here. I worked in a supermarket as a stock boy, like mm-hmm. stocking shit in the shelves. And while my wife was doing her things like flowers and stuff, right? Yeah. And one day she saw on Craigslist an ad for for uh, a movie that was that, that needed storyboards. And she said, oh, didn't you do storyboards in New York back in the day? I said, yeah, I did. Why? Oh, this Craigslist that just showed up where you should go and apply. I was like, no, I don't want to fucking do storyboards anymore. I told you, I don't want to draw forever. <laughs> and she was like, okay, so you want to be a valet for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, so it's between being a valet and, take, and getting a no for an answer, right? Yeah. Um, so I just went there and, and got hired right away. And then from there on, then it was just people started like learning about me and, more projects started coming to town and the more they started coming to town, the more they started calling me and snowballed. So that's how I got to clean and slim. <laughs> <laughs> Only took us an hour. To get there. <laughs> I figured it would take about an hour. <laughs> well, that's fucking awesome, man. I'm, I'm super, I'm super inspired to hear that, that you got to where you wanted to be. Well, yeah, it's it's fun, and you know, still, still being a storyteller is, you know, doing storyboards is better than than most things. Yeah. But it's still not the thing. Um, but I do love it. Uh, I think the one thing that I gotta say that I love the most about doing storyboards is is the how how fast I go from one project to the next. Mm-hmm. And how each project is so different from one another. Oh yeah. And each director is very different, uh, so it's never boring. Never boring. For sure. When I was working on Queen and Slim, for instance, uh, it just happened. It was like January of this year, actually, and I was amazed at how the, how quick this movie came out, and how it went to the festivals, and how it went to the theater, like in less than a year. Because usually it takes like a year. Yeah. 
some I know big it was filmed Hollywood quick. movies. Some big Hollywood movies. Uh, for instance, like um, what's the name? Uh, like a Boss. Yeah, yeah. I worked on that one. That that's still not out, and I worked on it like two years ago. Damn. So big Hollywood movies, they have to go through the audiences. If the audiences don't clap hard enough, then they have to go back to this, you know, do reshoots and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Green and Slim, granted, it, it from the beginning had a great script. Yeah, it, it was very, it was a very interesting, very, very guttural kind of kind of script. It, it's almost like it took Bonnie and Clyde and and put a turbo in it like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's it was it was it was uh it starts very calm and quiet and weird it's about relationships uh you know this date's going nowhere and then from that date just almost going nowhere it just shit hits the fan and just everything blows so up. quickly too <laughs> That's as much as I'm going to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it. <sighs> For sure. Powerful movie. <laughs> did you man. watch it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So did you like it? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I I'm trying to articulate my thoughts on it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Daniel. I mean, Jody was awesome too, but Daniel was like, I just love Daniel. He's amazing. So anytime he's on screen, I'm like, I'm there. I'm gripped for it. I thought the music was gorgeous. I really, really loved the music. And then, of course, some of the shots were just awesome. And after talking to Jeremy, <coughs> um, I didn't know a lot of it or all of it was shot. in Or no, uh, some of it was shot in Ohio. But um, th- I didn't realize how much of it was shot in New Orleans. And I also didn't know that Jeremy was from New Orleans. And so he told me some really cool stuff about that. And that made me appreciate it more. And I think... Like, obviously, there's still a place for this kind of movie. Like, there's always the worry that this sort of thing is going to be too on the nose or, like, missing the point of the weight of the issue that it's trying to deal with. But I think it, it really said what, what it needed to say. It didn't it didn't exaggerate. Like, it, I really, really appreciate it. I'm definitely glad I watched it, and I would watch it again. So. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's interesting because... Um... It was interesting working with Melina because she came from a video clip life, right? She she did she was like doing Beyonce video clips. And, yeah. Um, it looks like a music video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, I was I was afraid of that, <laughs> but then I, I feel I feel like uh, if you do it right, it can work really well. Yeah. Because for instance. Michael Bay, for instance, I fucking hate this shit. Uh, <laughs> dude, I fucking you know you know this Six Underground that just came out on Netflix. Yeah. I um, I was like, oh, you know, uh, is, is that him? Got all these cool actors that I like. You know, I'm I'm gonna check it out. And I was, it's, I mean, it just reminds me of Team America, how they made fun of of, <laughs> of him. And, and he never learned. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy that he can just keep making those movies. Like, dude, it's like I was telling my wife. It's like, you know, slow motion is really a cool tool for you know, but it's a cool tool 
if you know how to use it. It's it, it's especially cool if you use it as an irony, mm-hmm. you know, or or to accent some kind of uh, very interesting nuance in the shot that not, that you would you would otherwise not be able to see it in regular speed, right? Yeah. Uh, but. When someone is just like sitting on a car on the hood of a car and the scarf is flying in the wind and that's it, why the fuck are you even? First of all, why are you doing that shot? Why do we need that shot? Second of all, <laughs> second of all, why is it in slow motion? Really? I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, I the best those uh, I read on IMDb this uh this comments. Every time I, I watch a movie, I don't like commenting on it because I'm like, it's, you know, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like rating it, like, you know, because I think it's good to balance it out, you know, yeah. especially if the movie has five stars and, and you're like, what? Oh, fuck, I'll give it one star, but I'm not going to shit on the movie, right? Right, right. For everybody to see it. Uh, even though I'm shitting on Michael Bay right now, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're just pals. Um, I don't think Michael Bay is going gonna, is gonna to give a shit about me shitting on him. Um, Anyways, he's still gonna make keep making slow mo movies. But when I read this guy, he 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 was talking about this Six Underground movie. He said, "This is the most uh, Michael Bay movie Michael Bay ever Michael Bayed." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, that's the perfect way." That's to usually the case. <laughs> exactly, and it is. He perfected himself, I guess. Bro, the know, reviews are the reviews are not great for it. Well, yeah. It says, uh, I mean, uh, well, what kind of, you see, it, reviews are weird, too. That's why I never give any reviews to anything because it's very subjective. And I know, like, it's usually obvious when a movie, like, I don't know. Like, we were talking about there not being able to be something bad, like, the subjectivity. It sucks because, like, I love to say that and it feels right to say that because there are certain, like, art house movies or certain movies that like I love that somebody else doesn't love. And it's not because they don't like get it. Like it just doesn't necessarily vibe with them, but some movies just like technically blow. Like, right, right, right. Yeah. Like they, like it's like like I was talking about the expectations. If, uh, if you're going to watch a horror movie in America and you make a horror movie, like a super somber, like for instance, The Shining nowadays would fucking flunk in the theater. Right. You know, so if fucking. You came out now, if you came out now, we would. It, nobody would like ninety percent of the people. I promise you wouldn't like it. <laughs> but you know, they would want gory shit. They would want you know scary jumps and uh, mm-hmm. you know jump scares and and those kinds of things. Uh, that's that's the, that's the thing is the, the expectation. But I'm sorry I cut you your line of thought. Um, I was just quoting some really good reviews. Uh, Six Underground is loud, frenetic, and finally preposterous, which <laughs> is either bad news or a hearty recommendation, depending how one feels about the movies of Michael Bay. Bro, that is so fucked. Like, I can't imagine being a director and, like, it, pretty much that, that can be cut and pasted for any one of the movies he's ever released. And he just keeps, like, like I know they sell, I guess, but it's like, don't you feel, like, bad, bro? Like, doesn't that suck? No, fuck, dude. He doesn't, dude, Mike, come on, man. Mike, Michael Bay, <laughs> Michael Bay is like the Trump of movies. He doesn't have a consciousness. He's just having fun, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't, no, he doesn't have a conscious. <laughs> it's like someone is repeatedly. He's having fun, man. He's, you know. 
this is the thing. He knows how he knows how to make money, and he he wants to make money. He wants to have fun. He, that, that's exactly what he's doing. He's just doing that. Well, I also think you about know, that. Like the process of making his movies must be fun as hell. Like you're just messing around. Shit's blowing up everywhere. You're just saying like dumb lines. Like if I was super like didn't care like i could see myself enjoying being on a set because i would just be like fucking around i'd be like of course, yeah yeah i mean it's just know, insulting when it's like released i guess and i'm like uh-huh. well right when i was watching this movie i just couldn't believe it it was like 20 minutes of just <laughs> endless action <laughs> 20 minutes of no story just action but and- i know people who unironically love that so right exactly well well just like this one guy i was just reading his reviews he gave it two stars and he put on mdb and he put stupid unfunny slow motion pro- product placement extravaganza i was like well <laughs> if you know it's a michael bay movie and you're expecting <laughs> none of that to happen you're a fucking idiot right I mean, <laughs> why'd you watch the movie <laughs> The problem is with you. Yeah, you can't go to watch a Michael Bay movie and expect expect to watch, you know, something else like a Scorsese. But like this one guy, this this one guy actually said it right. He said this isn't a Scorsese or man. It's Bay. Just have fun. <laughs> Basically, I mean, right. It's true. He, I think he he made the movie just to have fun with it. Yeah, it's like you got to know what you're. You got to set expectations for yourself to a certain extent when you go to watch something, for sure. Right. Or else you're gonna be disappointed. Like, and and everyone's. I don't know. I don't know if I can even say that. I really just don't watch movies like that. Like, it's very seldom that I'm like 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 every once in a while I'll watch Con Air, like the Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> Like, like maybe once every two years, uh, I'll get in the oh mood. Oh my god! Is that how old were you when that first came out? Holy, what? I don't, I don't even know if I was alive. Was I? <laughs> Let me grab it real quick. <laughs> it's not that old of a movie, but it's pretty old for Nicolas Cage. It came out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Con uh, Air. Didn't Con Air have Sean Connery in it? No, it was Nick. It's like. The it, Rock? It's, that was the rock. No, no, neither actually. It's Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich. Um that's all I can think of, but I think it was like 90s maybe? Maybe I'm wrong. It came out it, it came out in 97, so 2 years before I was born, Conair came out. Wow, 2 years before you were born. But yeah, it's a really weird cast. It's Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi's in it, and then John Cusack and like uh Ving Rhames is in it also. It's just a weird movie, but it's it's just fun sometimes. And the the dialogue's super goofy. And like I'll watch John Malkovich play a serial killer. Like, you know, that's so day. funny. You were talking about Sean, uh, Con Air right now. And I said, oh, wasn't Sean Connery in that? It's like, no, it was The Rock. And it said, <laughs> eh, sure enough, I checked The Rock. Sean Connery was in it with Nicolas Cage. And guess who directed it? Uh, who? We were just talking about him. Bay, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Michael Bay. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, uh, dude, that was '96. You were also two years old. What, how old are you now? Twenty, right? Yeah, I'm twenty. My math is horrible. That's all right, man. Me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know we're an artist when you can't calculate anything. Michael Bay. Yeah, this oh, this review Michael says. Uh, I hey, hold on a second. I talk so much shit about the guy. Hold on a second. 
I needed to give a little a little hand for Michael Bay for me, Michael Bay, because hey, Michael I mean, Bay is Michael Bay, man. <laughs> man, and I swear, look, if Michael Bay didn't exist, Team America would be nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you can't have the good without the bad. That's for exactly. sure. Exactly. Holy shit. Michael Bay well, it, it is funny. It's funny because uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. I wonder if Michael Bay would probably be a better like uh, actor than director because Ben Affleck sucks as an actor, but he's a great director. Yeah, <laughs> bro. I don't know. Have you seen Argo? Uh, yeah, he directed it. Do you like Argo? <laughs> I like Argo. Yeah, I like the, the. To me, the best line in Argo is. Uh, anyone can direct a movie. Even a monkey can direct a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he directed that movie. Dude, it's just like, so, I thought Argo was going to be the shit because it got, whatever, like seven nominations at the Academy Awards, I think. One, three, which yeah, was, whatever about yeah. the awards shows. But like, like I thought it was going to be a decent movie. And I fucking hated that movie like oh wow really i didn't hate it but i didn't i didn't now i have a weird thing i have a weird thing for ben affleck to begin with where like just him on screen just rubs me the wrong way but like Mm, you're not the only one the amount of times they said argo fuck yourself i literally felt like i was being insulted like i just (laughs) i don't i very rarely like quit a movie i don't Uh, usually quit a movie but i i did not finish it because i was just were you sitting there and thinking, I know they're telling me to I go fuck myself. They literally, that's what it felt like. They were literally saying, like, we're going to keep saying this just to see how many times you stupid idiot will sit here and watch this. Oh, my and God. And I was like, I'm just not, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't take it. Yeah, if you, if you can't, if you can't take it, don't take it. Just fucking walk away. <laughs> I did. Now, Gone Girl was good. Gone Girl slapped. I really enjoyed that. So, Which one? Gone Girl. Oh yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, that was really good. So that was fine. It's just, I don't know. I guess I had higher hopes for Argo, and I bought it I too. I, I guess, I but. guess, coming, coming. When we talk about Ben Affleck, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's like he's such a celebrity. He's so big, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think. I have an aversion for celebrities myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole thing, celebrities, right? Shit, they're like the, the new fucking deity in uh, deity in the world. You know, it's like um, I I hate I I hate everything about being a celebrity or hearing about celebrities. Like extra, you know. It's only I'm not gonna lie. I like TMZ because it's hilarious because they make fun of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's like I see like extra on TV, I just want to break my TV. <laughs> That's why I don't watch TV anymore because I extra. But <laughs> but I think that because Ben Affleck is such a huge star, the fact that uh, I think that kind of affects his career already. You know, because yeah. some people just basically just hate that kind of shit. You know, um, and just to have someone as big as him. That happened to Mel Gibson too, I think. Before he uh, started directing movies, people were like, "How dare he? How 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 dare he direct his own movies? You know, he should be just a an actor." Um, in the meantime, Clint Eastwood had already directed movies since the fucking seventies. You know, mm-hmm. nobody said anything about it. So it's it's weird. I think it just depends on who you are. If you're 
too out, you know, too, too much of a celebrity, too much of a star, I think that tends to affect you negatively as far as... Yeah, trying, for sure. You're trying to make something. Um, it's the expectations, again, man. Like, we're, uh, we're so full of ex- expectations for everything that if... We make one wrong move. I mean, shit, you make an action movie uh, and you think it's more of a comedy and you call it a comedy and you don't make people laugh and fart their pants out by laughing. They're already going to think it wasn't funny enough. I didn't shit my pants. Right. You know, so, <laughs> so it's all the expectations. Mm-hmm. We're all ex- expecting too much of everything. It's weird, man. It's, it's a constant conversation you got to have with yourself because at the end of the day you know there's a there's a place for every pretty much every movie that's made there's a place for it there's a person that's it's going to resonate with there's a laugh that's going to be had for it so it's like whatever but i don't know it's tough yeah no i agree yeah it's um, <laughs> i think i think the world is for the world to have it not for one person not one for one type that's that's why that's why if the fucking Nazis would have lost in the end, even if they lost, they won. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you can't you can't have one type. You can't have one kind. I mean, to me, this whole talk about diversity and shit—it's like why are we even talking about? We have to talk about this shit because. But then again, I always felt like a fish out of water because in my mind, that always was the most important part of life. You know, it was the mixing. Yeah. It was going back to the roots because I feel like at some point, if aliens existed, they probably are the ones who created different races, like dogs, you know, mm-hmm. because they wanted to have more fun with a different breeds because it makes no fucking sense. Uh, uh, the Every time scientists start talking about, like, you know, about anthropologists and all, like about where we came from and this and that. Nobody knows. Nobody knows any of that. None of that is important anyways. You know, if we all came from Africa, if we all came from China, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. If, we, if we're if we Italian, if we're Puerto Rican, if we're Brazilian, if we're black, white, yellow, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know? None of that fucking matters. And it shouldn't matter, you know? Because all that matters <laughs> is that we have the, a huge capacity to think instead of just being fucking Trump. You know, <laughs> for sure, man. We have a huge capacity to choose. We have <coughs> huge capacity of making a difference and changing things. And the more you think of these barriers, the more the more you get segregated. You know, in them, it's to me that's the whole problem. It's just segregation in general of any kind, not just segregation of creed and color and whatever it's everything you know it's so so what if michael bay sucks as a director for me it doesn't matter (laughs) it's tricky man because uh, the problem comes when people determine that different means bad that's that's where it all comes from and like you just have to acknowledge that and this is obviously far more encompassing than just ethnic background or anything of the like but if something if someone has different tastes than you there are a lot of people who will feel negative feelings with that fact. Like if I disagree with someone very easily, that person could then dislike me because I don't like what they like. And that's like, that's what's fucked is just cause somebody disagrees with you 
doesn't mean that it has to be an issue. It just means it's actually a great thing. It's wow, that's awesome because I don't understand. Like when someone when someone hates something that I love more than anything else, I'm intrigued because I'm like, wow, like your brain just works differently than mine. That's kind of cool, and I appreciate you for that. Like obviously, there's there's going to be a disconnect there because it's like, well, how? But but it's not a bad thing. It's not something to. It's not an issue. Exactly. It's not someone you're going to go like have barbecues with every weekend or hang out or get married or whatever. As a matter of fact, a lot of people get, get failed marriages because of that shit. Because the right. girl is hot, the guy is hot. They get married and then, well, we are completely different. Yeah, don't marry that person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great to be different, man. I think that if, anything, if anything, I think that's why we're born. We're born to be different. We're born to experience life in different ways uh i heard uh, this thing the other day that was really interesting um there's this guy that i really like and i forget his name because i'm horrible with names and because his uh name is very weird to me mm-hmm. uh, uh, but anyways i surf youtube once in a while looking for you know different things like uh Like Krishna, uh, Krishna Murti, you know all kinds, uh, you know stuff about Sumerians. You That's know, so funny. I just got, uh, I just got my dad a Krishna Murti book for Christmas. Oh really? Oh yeah. wow, that's crazy, dude. Love. <laughs> I was just Krishna listening Murti. to him two days ago talk about life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great guy. You know, like uh, I think, I think this. Uh, Hold on a second. I'm looking through this no shit here. Um, anyways, um, I was listening to this guy. He's he's a, a biophysicist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's American. Because uh, even though I know I have an accent, I can I can't hear my own accent when I talk, mm-hmm. but I can hear all the people's accents when they talk. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't an American accent. But anyways, he's talking about how. Even if we have, if we raise one glass in the middle of a room, even if people have the same creed, they think about the same things, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever everyone in this room looks at that glass, no one is going to describe that glass the same way. It's impossible. Right. And I think that's what's <laughs> great about that glass. You know, that's viewed by all these different perspectives. And what that's what's interesting about filmmaking in the first place, too. Because you can get one script and give it to 10, 20, 30 different directors. They're all going to look different. Completely different. Unless, of course, it's a fucking remake. <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to. Um, but yeah I mean it's I think everything all of it is I think as far as 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 a storyteller as someone who's working with other people all the time Mm -hmm. it's always important to keep an open mind for me for instance in my job I don't think it's part of my job to actually even open my mouth in a meeting right I try not to as much as I can because it's about the director's vision, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one time 
I went for an interview for one for a movie that ended up not even happening, by the way. But uh, it was a producer that actually called me over. He wanted to meet me in person because he wanted to see if I had some needle marks in my arms. Because <laughs> huh. he thought I don't know if he had in LA some experience with heroin addict storyboard artists, but what the you know, hell? Yeah, I don't know what the hell. But then he was uh, he was asking me all kinds of weird questions like, oh, uh, do you give your input to a director uh, about the script? Do you tell them what angles would be best? And I said, dude, that's not my job. That's the director's job. I would just, you know, if they ask me anything, you know, if they want to brainstorm about something, of course, I'll be more than happy to be part of it. But I'm not going to be the one to say Oh no, that angle is not gonna work, man. Because right, right. You've done a thousand times this and that, you know. Right. I haven't been thinking about this movie as long as a director has, <laughs> you know, or a producer, but that matter. So, so you have to learn how to be quiet. Yeah. And sometimes it's tough, but because sometimes you get into a meeting and you know it's just gonna be just, just not gonna work. <laughs> Yeah. But then, you know, if they make a mistake, they look at the boards. They look at the boards and they uh, make a mistake. They'll call me later and they'll make me change it. It's, you know, they're going to pay me again. So I'm good with it. Right. I don't mind. <laughs> uh, like, For sure. So what about you? I was going to ask about you. Did you uh, already figure out what you what you want to do? Shit, man. Uh, broad question. I got, I got, I've got a lot of things to do. I'm going to write some books. I'm gonna probably make some movies. None, none of my ideas are usually particularly too big, so I'll get them made regardless. But uh, my 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 plan after school is essentially to take all the people that I've contacted from the podcast and. Uh, hit them up, you know, show them whatever work I've done up until that point and just say, Hey, just wanted to see where you're at. You know, if you need anything, let a guy know. And I'm, I'm still not sure. I'm still figuring out where I, where I actually want to work. Cause I don't, I don't think I have like a big drive to like be a director. Like I have to do that. So I'm kind of just looking at all the different positions trying to consider what they're actually doing I've, I've really enjoyed talking to production designers and art directors and I really like the idea of that of, of planning things out and and looking at movie sets spatially but but I don't know I think it's just going to be a lot of trial and error and I've still got more schooling to do more thinking to do but in general I just know that I, I'd, I'd really like to be in the movie industry I'd really like to write books one day which is which is just something that I'll get around to, but right. I mean, you're 20 years old. It's it's very amazing. The amount of stuff you're doing already is so cool because I think that what makes you as a person is actually the amount of things that you accomplish, or not 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 like in a successful you know way. You can fail many times in your life. Actually, mm-hmm. failure is great, but it's really cool that you're doing so many different things because. Uh, those amalgamations of things they're gonna turn you into something very unique you know yeah I'm trying man it's cool yeah keep doing it it's great I mean your podcast is really cool <coughs> well thank um, you appreciate that <laughs> oh I I think I think I 
read somewhere that you work at NPR too. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah I, that's, I work, that's great too. I work for the radio station, so got a the, lot. The radio station, yeah, because NPR men's. Yep, I work, for, uh, I work for ESPN also, do some film work for them, like filming games. So that's really cool to have under my belt, camera operations. Mm-hmm. I actually have a game to film today. But. Oh, cool. What kind of game is it? Uh, basketball today. I'm not sure if it's women. I think it's women's basketball. But. What kind of game do you like shooting most? Um, I've only done volleyball, football, and basketball. I really enjoyed football because I was out on the field and I got a lot more leeway on like the kind of like basically I would just shoot whatever I wanted and then I'd be like, hey, this is a cool shot. Like, and then they would take it. And I really like that the most, but <clears throat> basketball is pretty fun because I sit underneath the hoop, mm-hmm. so I, I get a lot of like leeway on guys, what I get to do there. You got a lot of guys falling on you? Um, yeah, yeah, I've definitely been falling on multiple times, <laughs> for sure. But I try to I try to hug the the hoop so they don't get to me as much. But yeah, that, I enjoy that. But football is probably my favorite that I've done. Oh, cool. But it's fun. I'm not like a big sports guy to begin with. Like I'm knowledgeable of it and I know of it and I enjoy watching it sometimes, but it's it's really cool to be able to film it. It's a good it's a really good experience. So Yeah, but that's that's the one thing that I was thinking about cuz yeah, I'm not a big sports person either. I mean, either, even though I watch I watch the Saints here and there, but mm-hmm. Before I moved to New Orleans, I never I never even liked football. <laughs> um, the football culture in the South is crazy, man. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Unlike anything I have have ever experienced in the U.S., that's nuts. Yeah, it's like college football is even bigger than than yeah. the NFL. It's insane. Yeah, and I I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> especially the fact, especially the fact that none of those kids are getting paid. Yeah, that's fucked. And I feel horrible about it. I was like, how do you guys even let this happen? These guys, I mean, the coaches are making. Tons of money. I mean, things are changing slowly but surely. They're just starting to let players make money off their names. So it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. But it's 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 funny because um, even though I I hate social media, I, I mean, it's not like I hate it. Uh, I know what you mean. Like, I know what you mean when you say that. It's more like it makes my, my blood boil. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um. I, I had a Facebook account and I canceled it. I can't deal with it. Facebook I don't have is I don't have any garbage, of man. Can't deal with any of that. Um, but it's interesting because those things accelerate certain things in society that should be accelerated. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. That, that stuff about sports and um, you know, and the, with you know what's happening with race and sexism and all kinds of things i mean i i even countries man like revolutions and things which in a way it couldn't it could even be absolutely uh, uh a good or bad good or bad but you know or even i mean i bet the cia loves social media <laughs> yeah that's they do. Easy way to take down a country <laughs> right that's isn't that that's what the russians are doing now yeah with their trolls and the robots and uh, <clears throat> all the, 
I, I think that 90% of the time that I got pissed off on Facebook, it was probably a Russian troll. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> that they, triggered me. They yeah, gotcha. Because it was someone I didn't know. I was like, oh, God, this guy is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, now I'm better. I'm happier. No yeah. social media. <laughs> there are definitely I'm pros and cons. Huh? There are definitely pros and cons. Yeah, I'm not mature enough for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah cool to finally talk to you yeah man I've, I've really enjoyed it i hope we get to cross paths eventually i'll find myself in your place sometime we'll have to get caught oh yeah 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 hit me up when you come down to new orleans maybe we can all hang out together you met jeremy i never met jeremy before. yeah yeah <laughs> for sure we can have a big I, queen and slim viewing yeah it's funny i was telling you it's uh, a weird a weird job storyboarding because i don't really get to to meet the the crew uh, yeah that's interesting yeah it's weird when i was working on into the badlands uh that was interesting because i started that show right from the gecko from uh from development you know and uh, mm-hmm. so they got me an office in the in the building so then wow. I got to to meet the production designer and the art director oh, and cool. everyone. So that was really weird because I found out, oh wow! So you guys get someone in the art department to actually give checks to you guys, <laughs> like me. I always get my checks from the mail. I don't even have. It's it's a weird thing because when they ask you when you're uh, when you're basically doing your paperwork in the beginning, they ask you uh, who your head of department is, and I don't. I never have one. Right. So basically, I'm the head of my own department. It's like just basically the UPM above me, and so it's a weird, it's a weird kind of, it's kind of like I'm doing comic books again and being like rounded, while like all the kids are playing out there. <laughs> At least you're getting paid for it. I do, yeah, I do. And so, yeah, and I can complain about the pay too because they have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I. Uh... I can't wait to see where you go, and and continue maintaining contact throughout the years. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep in touch. I'm working on a on my graphic novel right now. So hell yeah, I love graphic yeah. novels. They're so interesting. Maybe we'll make one. Yeah. Someday. Yeah, that would be cool, man. Yeah, I want to start my own publishing house. So hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see if this uh this first book will. We'll do something. It's it's a weird business too. It's all of this business are, are weird. I'm I'm trying to get a friend of mine who who's been in it for a long time to help me out in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe even join me or something. You know, who knows? I don't know. Well, I hope it I just, works I out, man. Like I just like creating stuff. So to me, anything you know, when I'm off, that's what that's how I've been working on this book. Like whenever I'm off from anything else, mm-hmm. which is barely ever, then I work on it. But for sure. Hopefully we'll be ready by next year. That'd be awesome. Well, keep me updated. Uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely probably hit you up every year if you want to if good, you want to yeah. sit and chat for a bit. Uh, I'll let you know. I might publish this Friday with Jeremy's conversation mm-hmm. and do a little Queen and Slim episode, but uh, I'm not sure. I will keep you updated though cuz the holidays are hectic and then I'll send you a link when it's all said and done, all right? Cool, sounds good, man. Yeah, it was really nice talking to you, dude. Yeah, for sure. Take it easy. You too. Talk to you later.